Ron and Anian. The difference between cars today and cars, you know, classic muscle cars 50 years ago. The car today, that 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 new Corvette will do, you know, zero to 100 miles an hour in three seconds or four seconds, whatever the number is. And, wow. it's, and it's, it's it's effortless. It's just, and you're there. Here I come in my 57 cheese. Doctor, you got to respect the machine. You got to respect what's there, uh, especially in a situation now in an urban area where it's getting more and more crowded. Uh, it becomes it becomes a mandatory thing. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls at eight. 555-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Or maybe tractors, as the case might be, as we open up this hour of the car. Dr. Ron and Anian here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. As always, you got a car problem. You've got a vehicle that's not running right. I'm here for it, 855-560-9900. More information at cardoctorshow.com. Ron and Andy, the Car Doctor Facebook page. And if you need me during the week, the Car Doctor's always on call. Ron at cardoctorshow.com. I'm steamed today, folks. I really am. I, you know, sometimes I wish this was a serious XM channel because we could really talk. But um, uh, article came out this week from John Deere. John Deere has sent letters of opposition for legislators with bills filed, they're all saying the same thing, that anyone that allowing anyone other than John Deere dealerships to repair their vehicle, their equipment will result in the unsafe operation of its products, disruption of machine capabilities and performance, changes to emission controls, voiding of warranties, yada, 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 yada. The right to repair is coming up again. And this is bigger than, you know, who's going to fix it. If you read this article, and what I want you to do is go out and Google John Deere Right to Repair Tractor Maintenance 2018 and look at this article, and I want you to read through it. And if you get far enough down the list without going, holy cow, or something worse, you're going to realize what they're saying is when the tractor breaks down in the middle of the 200-acre farmer's field or bigger, and they can't get a repair technician out there to fix it, and the farmer doesn't have the, uh, the, the, the training or the equipment or the knowledge or the repair procedure to repair it, the crop goes bad. Think about that. The crop goes bad. How long before the crop goes bad, there's a food shortage? Technology is doing us in, and the stupidity that we're backing it up with isn't helping either. Great article. Really great article. They talk about the National Grange agrees on behalf of over 200,000 members of the National Grange. We support the Right to Repair Act because we believe in an owner's right to maintain, service, repair, and rebuild their vehicle or farming equipment on their own accord or by the repair choice shop of their choice. Our members, listen to this, our members, this is farmers now, farm members are located mostly in rural areas. Yeah, no kidding. And they value their ability and freedom to fix and repair their own vehicles, tractors, and other farm equipment. Listen, you're on a farm. You're in the middle of nowhere. It's not like, you know, you're accessible to, you know, parts and, 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 and you can get a technician out there in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, quick, right? If that tractor's in the middle of the field 
and it's stuck, it's broken, it's not operating, it's doing something wrong. Farmers have been fixing their equipment in the middle of their fields <laughs> since before there was equipment, right? The horse lost the shoe. They shooed the horse in the middle of the field, and they went back to work. I, I think this is ludicrous. I, I, I don't know what we're trying to accomplish by trying to lock them out because I, I've got to believe that, you know, once again, like auto repair, there aren't enough John Deere dealerships to fix all the tractors if they broke. More and more farmers, the article continues, are turning to the Internet, thank God, to learn how to repair their complex equipment. They are turning to websites like iFixit to share techniques for maintaining equipment, but that's not enough. We've got to start fighting for the farmers. They deserve to be able to repair their equipment quickly and on their own terms. We are working to pass fair repair legislations at the state level that would put farmers back in control of the repair of their own equipment. And we've successfully petitioned the Copyright Office to carve out protection for modifications and repairs made to software and tractors will continue to fight for the rights of farmers to repair what they own. This is serious. This is really serious because we're, we're slowly coming to the point where if the farmer can't repair his equipment, we're going to disrupt the food chain. And disrupting the food chain has so many implications of, of disrupting the economy, food, the grocery store. Um, you know, how are we going to eat? This is all about right to repair. The Right to Repair Act is an argument that goes back and forth between manufacturers and independent repair facilities that states that only dealerships should have, and there's a lot more to it than just this, but only dealerships should have the necessary right to repair information to maintain a vehicle for a variety of reasons, among them software infringement and emission controls and correct repair procedure. I'm pretty sure, in my opinion, that... There are smart people in repair dealerships, car, tractor, otherwise, and smart people outside of repair facilities, car, dealership, independent, etc. Let the chips fall where they may. Give everybody what they need to maintain whatever it is they want to work on, whether it's a car or a tractor. And the reason this story caught my attention and the reason you've got me talking about it up here on a show called The Car Doctor is because it's right to repair. The Right to Repair Act it has won, and I believe this was in California, which kind of doesn't surprise me. You know, there's a conversation about California and nuts rolling downhill, but I won't get into it here. Um, it just, just suffice it to say that things don't look good. Uh, very upset. Very, very upset. I, I think we're in trouble, and I think we all need to call our elected officials and, and ask them, you know, what's going on. The article talks about before I can fix my tractor, we have to fix the copyright law. Uh, that's at Slate.com. They talk about it in a blog. Repair.org executive director is testifying for re Fair Repair in Nebraska. Tom, we should get somebody from uh, some of these organizations up here to talk about this because what happens right to repair with tractors is surely going to spill over if it hasn't already in terms of right to repair with cars. And let me tell you how bad things are here in New Jersey. All right, and I'll speak from my corner of the world, so I won't. I won't project. I'm not talking about you know news media, which, by the way, when you do Google search this story, Farmers' Right to Repair Act 2018, you're going to come to a couple of websites. Uh, Wired.com was one of them. They won't let you print from their website, which I don't understand. You're reporting the news. Let's share the news. Why is it such a control thing? Uh, they want to make you sign up for an email address. Again, why we're we're sharing news here? We're not trying to you know control anything. I Sometimes I think the comments about the media controlling things to a degree are accurate. But here in New Jersey, 
in North Jersey. They're losing repair shops. You can see it. Guys are getting older. There's nobody coming in. The cost to get into a repair shop business is very, very high. And there's there's less places to go. There's less there's less training classes that people are attending. Um, one of the national trainers I go and attend Chris's classes. Chris Lewis, the boys from um, ATG. Uh, I go there as many times as I can get there in a year. And Chris spoke to me Thursday. We talked their upcoming November 14, 15 class on CAN communication network data bus information. Yep, we're talking about fixing cars. Network CAN communication data bus is being seriously considered being canceled because not enough people have signed up for it. They need a certain number to make the numbers work. And I'm saying, but but how can that be? Because, you know, uh, the phone calls that I get here, the phone calls I get at the shop, from shops that are asking me canned data questions that make me say, well, I guess they really need training, but they're not willing to go. The backlog at the shop right now is about two, two and a half weeks, and that's not abnormal. Um, I'm, I'm hearing stories of dealerships backed up a week and a half, two weeks, and it seems like, and I'll have to lump myself in here and pat myself on the back, that the, the better shops are busy and the better shops are backed up because the complexity of the car has gone up. And, you know, it's about the repair shop making that commitment to training, to to equipment, to establishing procedures. And things like right to repair are disrupting it. Things like right to repair are creating issues where without proper training and equipment, there's a problem. In the case of the car, well, you're not going to work tomorrow. Your car is broken. In the case of the farmer, well, the tractor is not coming out of the field because the tractor is broken. But there's a bigger problem because we're not taking the food out of the field, and sooner or later, that's going to catch up to us. We're letting technology govern us, not governing technology. We're doing it backwards, folks. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor. I'd like to hear your opinion. If you've got one this hour on it, or uh, if you're listening to this vis a podcast and you've got a thought, send it to me, ron at cardoctorshow.com. I'd love to read it up here on air. But we all need to be aware of, go out and Google John Deere Farmer's Right to Repair 2018. Read that story. See if you can maintain your composure. I'll be back right after this. It's the little old lady from Pasadena. He drives that way, but when it comes to fixing cars, Ron has car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. Let's get over to talk to Sean in Duluth, Minnesota, and open up the garage doors today. Sean, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hi. Say, Ron, I spoke to you about a month ago. I've got a 98 Chevy with a 5.7 liter in there, and I've been having this problem for, oh, maybe six months or so now. I'll peel 171, 174, so I'm lean on both things. Right. And what I did, and I told you at the time was, you know, I initially started with cleaning the mass airflow sensor and and a new fuel filter, new air filter, clean the throttle body. I cleared the codes with a O'Reilly gauge, and everything came back within 10 miles. And next step was to put new oxygen sensors in, both pre- and post-converter, new PC valve, PCV valve, cleared the codes, came back again. Then I actually put a new mass airflow sensor in, and I actually tried to check around the intake with, uh, with some uh, carburetor cleaner and some uh, starting fluid and didn't get any change in RPM or anything. And, and the last thing I did was I replaced the vacuum hoses coming from the lockers into the intake and then the other one on the passenger side that, went from, that goes from the locker into the air intake uh, before the uh, throttle body there. Okay. And, you, and when I called you, you said, you know, go buy a... OBD2 tester and, you know, 
go from there and use some propane and et cetera, et cetera. And I, I did borrow a, a relatively cheap one, I guess, from a mechanic. And uh, unfortunately, the live data function on this, it, it took data like every three seconds, so I really couldn't use propane around the intake and get anything. But I did register some readings. The fuel trim on both bank one and bank two at uh, at startup was reading like between 9 and 11 percent, and then at 190 degrees, it'd be up to 24.9 percent. Right, that's and so that's, what I did was I went to a local shop here for 50 bucks, and he's got a uh, $10,000 snap on system there, I guess. And and uh, we we uh, did some checks at idle, and we we took it out in the road, and um. We, you know, he, he didn't really come up with anything there, and we brought it back into the shop. We tested fuel pressure, which tested okay, and we smoke tested the intake system and and thought thought that there was a possible intake gasket leak there, and although nothing was confirmed, and I left, and then I, I came back the next day, and I said, would you be so good as to, you know, hook the meter up again and and, you know, let's gas around the intake and the hoses and stuff with your snap on there and see if that's going to change anything. And he, he said, yeah, you know, and so he did. And, you know, we, we can't really find anything except to say that he thinks it's an intake manifold gasket. I think it's an intake manifold gasket. But I don't want to tear into this thing, you know, unless I get some better information. So I was looking for some other advice from you, if possible. All right. So, you know, the key here is what's fuel trim? Fuel trim, this fault code sets at 20% or better. So if, if just yep. to refresh everybody, if zero is balanced, plus 20, when it gets to 20.5%, it's setting a fault code on that bank. In this case, both banks are pretty equal. So we've got, yep. we've, we've got a lean code. Uh, you know, the question I've got is, where's it coming from? All right. If it's not vacuum lines, did you happen to try plugging the brake boosters? Is it a brake booster or a hydro boost vehicle? Uh, that's a brake booster vehicle. Okay. Could I have a small vacuum leak in the brake booster creating this? Possible. All right. And, and we we did gas around there, but didn't see. Man, we did not know. see I, anything. But yeah, I don't know if you'd see it. I would physically un. I would just pull yeah. the line. I would pull the line out of the booster, and and plug it. And it it might come okay. to that, Sean. You know, it might be more than one line leaking creating the condition. So it might be where unplug the brake booster, cork the line. It might be where uncork the un, un you know unplug the purge valve, cork it. So it can't draw any air, although you would think it would be drawing fumes and making it rich. But just, just to play it safe, let's make this a basic engine, all right? If, if, if we get this to the point where no vacuum leaks out of any, any vacuum source and we verified the mass intake duct, make sure the duct itself is good, right? You looked at that, no cracks, no, yep. no leaks there. Um, if you take this out on the road, have your mechanic take it out on the road and bring up calculated load. Did we talk about calculated load the last time? I, I think we did, and, and I think and I think we, you were saying like it should be running between like ninety ninety five percent somewhere in that vicinity. Right. I'm not sure. Right. He puts his basically calculated load is a is, is a is a calculation like it says based on mass airflow sensor efficiency. All right. Inhale. Yep. 
right? How well did you do it? Everybody does it different. Every car does it different, but every car has to meet a certain standard. So if we put our foot to the floor from a 10-mile kick and we're looking at calculated load, we should see that, that mass airflow sensor, if it's responding correctly and reporting all the air being pulled in, that mass airflow sensor should report 90 percentile or better. All right? If, if, if you want to see an example of it and learn the, what's the word I'm looking for, learn the procedure correctly, do it to a good car. So, you, you know, you understand if, 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 if the car's got yep. good fuel trim and, you know, you want to learn how something should work, test a good car. See, your problem is you're testing a bad car, all right? So, yep. but, yeah, I want to know, where's calculated load? If mass airflow reports calculated load correct, if fuel pressure is good, if volume is good, if there are no vacuum leaks, if PCV isn't out of calibration creating a problem, for that matter, plug the PCV. Plug every vacuum line you can get to. At that point, it's just an engine. And if that thing is still showing 24% off idle, and the fact, i got to tell you, it just dawned on me, if it's off idle, I doubt this is a vacuum leak. I think this is something else somewhere, and, and I'm going to think more along uh, lines of intake, all right? Uh, maybe you want to crack this, you know, bring the throttle up to 1,500, 1,800 RPM, and when fuel trim is 24%, you want to sit there and, yep. and then hit it with the propane because maybe it's pulling on the gaskets in such a way that it's it's creating the condition. But... Propane, fuel trim, there's a reason why this thing is drawing and running so lean, and that'll, that'll, that'll bring it to a conclusion. Just got to verify mass airflow is good, and, you know, even if you change okay. it, I still check a mass airflow because, you know, what new means never, ever worked. Uh, but, you know, that's, yep. there's, there's no rocket science here. I always think of if I could get it back to a basic engine or how as basic as I can get it with today's vehicles, you know, that's kind of what I'm trying to do here. And sometimes to diagnose, and I say this a lot lately, sometimes to diagnose, it's differential diagnosis. Tell me what's good. Prove to me what's good. Whatever's left, that's going to be bad. Go from there. Call me next week. Let me know how you make out. I'm Ron Anini in the car, Dr. 855-560-9900. We are back right after this. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter, getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. Both brothers, Ron and Andy, and the car doctor here at eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Who was that, Tom? I can't think of the name of that group. That's uh, ACDC. That's right, ACDC. I was listening to Twisted Sister the other day. Do you know where Twisted Sister came from? Long Island. Hohokus. Oh. Yeah, like the next town over from the shop. I was stunned to know that. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and D. Snyder. Uh when I worked at a different radio station in New York City, actually came in and auditioned for Afternoon Drive. What a great guy he is. Yeah, I've really heard that. Really down yeah. to earth. And he's a real car guy, too. Oh, yeah, exactly. Real car guy. Speaking of car guys, I want you to also, on your interview to get list, there's a new show on Netflix, um, Gotham Garage. Actually, I think it's called Rust to Riches. Okay. It's about this, where are they, 
Temecula, Temecula, California. I hope I'm saying that right. T E M. Um, uh, the owner's name is Mark Mark Towles. T O W L E S. This is a really great show. They've only, there's only eight episodes on Netflix. It's a net, it's a Netflix only show. They'll take a junk car, fix it, sell it, take another junk, take that car, fix that up to something better, sell that, and within three or four cars, they go from buying something for ten bucks. They've got a hundred fifty thousand dollar car. It's wow. it's really kind of cool what they do. I bet they. I was watching it last night. They they created the what did they call it the 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 Franken van. They <laughs> they took a Volkswagen bus right away. I went Ooh. and <laughs> right. They took a Volkswagen bus, cut it in half. Right. Mm-hmm. They went and they traded a junkyard motorcycle they got for free. A Honda Gullwing, Goldwing, Gullwing, whatever it is, whatever two twenty two twenty one. They took that. They got that for nothing. They stripped it down. They made it look like a steam-powered motorcycle. It was really crazy with $200 worth of copper and a beer keg, hmm. right? They traded that for a, a 454 big block Chevy with a blower on it. They welded that into the floor of the Volkswagen, <laughs> chopped <laughs> the roof of the Volkswagen. I mean, it was nuts. And then they went out into the desert and went, they went flying along. Great, you got to get that guy. I want to talk to okay. Mark Towles. I, I think he'd be a fun interview. He really would. It's. Um, I hope they do more of that show. It's. Uh, it's got my eye. Anyway, let's get over and talk to uh, Greg in Iowa. Twenty sixteen Jeep Cherokee. Greg, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Yes, sir. Uh, my uh, wife uh, sometimes likes to put the floor or foot down to the floor with her car, and uh, one day she was uh, getting on uh, on the freeway, made a hard left turn to get on the on ramp, and as she was making that hard turn. Uh, the engine died, and the traction control malfunction light came on. She pulled over to the start, side of the road, shut the engine off, restarted it. Everything came up. No uh, warning light anymore. And she was shaken up a little bit. She drove off to the next exit and waited for me to come rescue her. And when I got there, I couldn't find anything wrong with the car. The only thing that I found that might have been out of whack was I popped the uh, fuse box open out under the hood, and I was able to give uh, probably 30% of the fuses underneath there just that extra little snap yeah. like they were trying to work their way out. Yep. And uh, the car was uh, was perfectly fine until last week. She was driving down the interstate going only about 50 miles an hour in a heavy rain, and the uh, traction control malfunction came on again, and then went off, but the and but the engine nothing didn't stall. Since. Right, the engine no, didn't stall. Did not stall that time. Okay, and, and it just kept it just kept rolling. All right, and that's where we are at this moment. Yes. So many, uh, otherwise, the car was run, run fine. How many? So how the many, only time it stalled was that first time. How many miles on it, Greg? Uh, fifty-five. Okay, so you do a fair, fair amount of driving. Um, are are, yep. are are you out in farm country in Iowa? Um, sometimes we are R- rough roads, dirty roads. Sometimes we, have, yeah. we do a fair amount of driving on gravel. Okay, not every day, but it's enough. So let's talk about how does the traction control system on that car work? Like a lot of cars, they're looking at the rotation or the, the how fast their wheels are turning. Each individual wheel, they're tracking it off the ABS sensors or wheel speed sensors. So if one speed sensor puts out an erroneous message. 
or you know changes its its signal, all of a sudden the car thinks that that wheel is slowing down when it's not, and it will put the car into a false ABS or traction control event. So you know one of the things I've learned to look for on 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 farm vehicles, quote unquote, no 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 harm intended, is put it up in the air. And just look at the wheel speed sensors. Look at the look at the tone rings, which should be on the outer end of the axle. I believe they're exposed. Do any of them look damaged, packed with mud, packed with debris? You know, that's the simple stuff. That's something you can do, just to see. You know, do we have good clear tone rings on the vehicle? Then you know, the next step would be that I would. And I like your idea about fuses. I'm seeing a lot of weird things with fuses. And such, but you know, just our battery cable connections good, clean and tight. Are all grounds good, clean and tight? And my next step would be I'd want to try and drive this, and I'd like to use a scope on it versus a scan tool. Scan tool won't be fast enough, and at least what we call wave out or, or pin out the the four ABS sensors and just stack them up against each other. In other words, an ABS sensor is going to produce a voltage signal. If, if we're traveling down the road at 40 miles an hour, wheels straight ahead, we should see an equal signal from each sensor, right? Yep. So if, if she's driving down the road and all of a sudden one signal, you know, changes its size or how often it's it's changing uh, voltage from high to low, all of a sudden the computer takes that as a, hey, that wheel's slipping, let's apply the brakes, let's apply traction control, let's try and keep the vehicle straight. And, you know, the only accurate way you're going to find an intermittent, because unfortunately that's what you obviously have, the, the only way you're going to find it is hopefully the scope is going to see it while it's hooked up. And if it's not, then you've got another issue. One, one, one comment on the stalling, I'd also like to know, you ever reboot a computer on, at home? And, you, you know, you, it's, it's got this information. Well, it's kind of what you're doing. You know, you've, you've, got, oh, sure. you've got this information on the desktop, and then it, it just sort of locks up, and you've got to reboot it, and you lost that information because you didn't save it. Car, yep. car, car computers kind of do the same thing. Um, you know, so you start to look at the numbers. I, I like to look at fuel trim. I like to look to see where monitors or the self-tests are. I want to see, did it do some sort of a complete reset? And if it did, what I start to think about is it lost power. It lost power. It lost ground. Um, it lost connectivity to some to, to electrical, one end or the other, and it, it put that vehicle into a reset. It would be the same thing as if the battery was disconnected. Years ago, and the principle is still the same, we had a 96 Suburban, I never forgot this truck, that every time it would hit a pothole, it would stall only when it was cold. And I, I worked on that truck for the better part of a week, and I, I kind of went around and around and around, and I couldn't duplicate it. And then one day I went back to, let me make sure the battery terminals are as clean as I think they are, because I had wiggled them, but you know, I didn't take them apart. Silly me. Went to take the one terminal apart, and at first the nut was really tight. It was a side terminal, and it fought me. And then all of a sudden, it fell out. The the, the ends of the bolt just throw, it fell out of the battery casing. <laughs> and what happened was, you know, the battery case was leaking acid. It had eroded away the, 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 the stud and the nut, and um, it just made a poor connection under the right impact under a cold operating an engine, because an engine, even with all these computers, is still operating. You know, it, it, it's still operating under duress until it's warmed up like any other mechanical device. And just the right bump, the right flick of the wrist, and that car would shut off. Just make sure battery cables, connections are good, clean, and tight. And it, it probably wouldn't hurt 
and this will sound silly, but I'll hook a voltmeter up to a battery, and if I can, I will gently, G-E-N-T-L-Y, gently, tap the sides of the battery with a rubber mallet. I'm looking for shock impact. I'm looking to see if the voltage changes or drops or, or, or in any way varies from what it's supposed to be or is. And, you know, just, just looking to see does that battery make some sort of a spike. All right, sir? Okay. So try Sounds to... good. Well, I'm a, remember, I'm a broadcast engineer. I haven't taught out a tap broadcast equipment gently oh. with a hammer. Yeah, so, so I, you know, I you've got... probably the, handle that. Tom Ray, can, Tom Ray can explain the gentle... Well, he can't explain the gentle part, but he knows about the hammer part. <laughs> so I got to go. I'm up against the clock. Tom's yelling at me. You uh, let us know what happens. All right, Greg? Good deal. Take good care. 855-560-9900. Tom, I see you're getting your relatives to call now. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Brian Annie, the car doctor. Let's get over and talk to Dave Holyoke Mass. Is that Holyoke Mass? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Dave, how are you? Welcome back. You never, you never found that CRT screen, huh? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I haven't found one, no. Okay. That guy, like I told you, the one you turned me on to, he had nothing but Buick, and the guts aren't the same or anything. Yeah. Try this guy. This is the only other guy I could think of. All right, Wait now. Wait a minute. Let me write something down here. Eastern Electronics used to be one of the biggest GM repair facilities on the East Coast, going back okay. 20 years ago. And when they shut down, I think 15 years ago, Theo, the head tech, took over the business. And I actually think he's working out of his house or in a, in a commercial building close to his house in uh, Elmwood Park, New Jersey. If, if Theo can't fix it, you know, maybe he's got a line on it. I'm not really sure if I'm helping you or hurting you or um, just trying to send you in a direction. Any, anything would help. 201-342-3945. Yeah. Uh -huh. I came across somebody that told me there was a guy from Buffalo that, you know, rebuilt them, guaranteed them for a couple of years, and then, uh, you know, I was going to take my old one out and send it to him and put the new one in. And, but I never was able to find out where in Buffalo yeah. he was. There's got to be. I find it very hard to believe that, you know, they're just all gone. You know, it's, Yeah, well, I think the whole thing is that the Oldsmobile is totally different from the Buick. You know, right. Buick and Pontiac probably ran about the same. Right. I, I think Cadillac at one time had it, too. You know, I wonder. You know, maybe you got to hunt. It's it's like you got to hunt where there's where, where there's bigger fish, so to speak. And you wonder what's in and around Los Angeles. My gosh, the car culture around Los Angeles is so huge. You've got to think that somebody on the West Coast either has you know some parts stored away or uh, you, you know, and that's and that's part of the problem too, right? That listen, I know a guy around here in New Jersey. Supposedly he's got fourteen four hundred nine Chevy engines. He's hoarding for, for, for God only knows what reason. He's seventy-five years old. He says he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna use them one day. I'm like, dude, you better do it soon. You know, it's time slipping away. Um, I used to have a forum. Yeah, a million years ago, right? I just, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I just, you know. But that's yeah, that's you wonder why people say things. Do you get many calls from the West Coast? Do I get many calls from the West Coast? Yeah, yeah we've gotten West Coast. We get West Coast phone calls, and um, so we are on the West Coast. So they're they're hearing us out there, and then the the podcast numbers take us around the world. So you would think, and let's let's make a plea here. If anybody's got any information, eighty nine olds Toronado Trofeo. Yeah. Dave from Mass is looking for the CRT screen, which is the color touch screen. Another GM idea. Um, GM giant mistakes that um, was used to control the. Climate control, radio, right? What else did it do? It does everything. Well, it's, it, it's, it completely it's, analyzed the whole car when you first started the yeah. car. It, yeah. You know, the heat, the lights, the, everything. Yeah. Um, just really way out there in the future. 
They were. Yeah, uh, they I mean, were, I can I can drive it without it, but you know, I gotta you know, I gotta find my way. Yeah, but you know what? It's that was the fun of it. Um, oh, yeah. That was the fun of the whole car. So it. Uh, hey, listen. Sometimes real quick, and then I gotta go. But uh, we had a we have a 2012 Chevy Tahoe in the shop. It needs a, uh-huh. it needs a front differential. If this makes you feel yeah. any better, it's not just old old different things. It needs a front differential. We wanted to right. buy, we wanted to buy the whole assembly. Fifty one thousand mile real clean truck. GM doesn't yeah. make it anymore. Six years old. You figure oh, it out. Geez. Yeah, it's you know they get rid of parts so quick. Hey, let's just buy another one. Dave, I gotta go. I'm up against the clock. Let's see if that does anything for you. Good luck with Theo and Eastern Electronics. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The car doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Tony, I just want to say hello. It's a pleasure to look across the glass and see you this week. Um, Pleasure's all mine. I've, I've, I've missed you, dear. I know um, you have. So, you know, you're, you're holding up all okay so far? Look, it is what it is with the New York Giants. I didn't say fair, anything. I'm not a I fair just, weather fan. I know where, you're, where you were going with this, okay? I just, I just want to make sure it you're okay. It is what it is, Ron. You know, you, you, you got up on those railroad tracks last week. We heard you were holding up all the trains walking down the tracks. Because, I know, no, I know. I've been a New York Giant fan for 48 years. I know how they are. I have to take them at face value, okay? Yeah, well, so I'm not going to jump off the cliff or, you know, or throw myself in front of a, a locomotive just because the Giants are scrubs. Look at it this way. At least you're not a Mets fan. That's 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 right. Yeah. That's true. Now, what if we took players from the Mets, the Yankees, the Jets, and the Giants? We can make one team. We just got to figure out what sport that would be. It's No, it's, no, no, no. It, it won't work. You it know, won't work. New York, we still need uh, the frustration for yeah. rooting for the is, Yankees, is, is that the what Mets, it is? the Giants, or, or, or the... Or the, or the, you know, whatever. I, I, yeah, I, I, at least we're not Baltimore Orioles fans. Oh, Lord. Yes. 60 games out of first place? Or Cleveland Browns fans, even though Cleveland just beat the Jets this past Thursday night. And, and we're so far off the subject of cars. Real quick, folks. Did you hear the part about, I didn't know this, but in Cleveland, Budweiser had all these little refrigerators in the bars. Yes. And they were electronically locked. And when the Jets lost, or when Cleveland won to the, beat the Jets, free beer for everyone. Free beer for everybody. They electronically unlocked, yes. <laughs> wirelessly <laughs> unlocked all the refrigerators, and everybody got free beer. Uh, Unfortunately, it was old beer because it was in there over a year. Uh, three uh, six hundred and thirty something days. Wow. Yeah. So that um, yeah, just crazy stuff. Oh, by the way, Tony, thanks yeah. for being here today. You get to look at Ron instead of me. Yeah. No problem. Uh, well, of course, the, it's, it's vice versa because I don't have to see Tom anymore. Um, of course, it's kind of blinding in there when they both... Anyway. Um, I want to talk about this real quick because of all the fires out west. I never thought about this, but all the forest fires going on in California and this comes to us courtesy of the Car Care Council. Uh, with forest fires continuing to burn throughout the West, the nonprofit Car Care Council reminds car owners to have their cabin air filters inspected and changed regularly. You know, that's actually very true, and especially this time of year heading into winter because today is the, today's the first day of fall or tomorrow. Yeah, today's the first day of fall. Um, you know, we've got to start thinking about we're going to be in a closed cabin. We just went through the summer. Um, it's time to think about changing the cabin air filter if we haven't already. Uh, Rich White, the executive director of the Car Care Council, says, and he's correct with the amount of smoke and debris caused by forest fires it is very likely the cabin air filters in the vicinity have been severely affected not to mention vehicle air filters too so if you're in a part of the country forest fires heaven forbid um lots of debris dirt and dust in the air it's time to start thinking about the um it's time to start thinking about you know uh, changing filters like that more information at carcare.org i'm ron and the car doctor looking up good mechanics aren't expensive they're priceless see ya